Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap, tackling the most important TV topics of the day. Two landmark disability reports are about to be unveiled, demonstrating the shocking levels of abuse, discrimination and ableism faced by the UK's largest minority group. DDP TV's Caroline O'Neill, who was heavily involved in the creation of one such report, joins us first to set out the key findings. Before we have an exclusive interview with Tim Renko, the creator and star of BBC Three hit comedy, Jerk. All that, plus much more, on this week's Broadcast News Wrap. So, the landmark Disability by Design report came out this week, and one of those central to its creation, the founder of Deaf and Disabled People in TV, Caroline O'Neill, joins the podcast once again to talk through the findings. So Caroline, can you tell us a bit about the report and, and how you went about putting it together? Hi Max, thank you so much for having me again. Really, working with DDPT and working with Beck2 and Equity at the moment, so we've created it all together. Shari and I guided the questions and it was really important that we wanted to make sure that the language actually was representative of the social model of disability. And I think the survey took time and it was launched earlier this year and it was open for a period of a month and it had good engagement. We're currently in the process of making it look pretty and then we will send that out to other broadcasters and other key players so they're able to use that for campaigning later in the year. And what does it tell us about TV's relationship with disability? The thing is, there weren't any big surprises. So reading it back actually just did make me feel sick. It almost felt like there were a lot of disability people that weren't feeling safe to actually disclose their disability. And I feel that it's a shame that people out there who have invisible disabilities are masking that part of their identity. And through masking it, it sometimes also aggravates and makes their disability worse and causes suffering. I feel that is that what you want to be a representative industry that we work in? However, there is a positive side to it. When employers do actually want to engage, it is actually possible to achieve the optimum environment where people who are disabled and non-disabled people can work together and make amazing content and really the thing is there aren't many disability people it's not the problem that is with disability people it's the people it's the employers that have the problem mm. no completely uh, so some of the like you mentioned some of the anecdote mostly relating to bullying in within the uh, TV industry were, were really quite shocking. I suppose I, I wanted to know if you were if you were surprised by these and if you were surprised also by the fact that one of the findings that one quarter of respondents had faced uh, bullying, bullying or harassment. For me, I wasn't that surprised myself because I'd been on the receiving end of bullying and I think when I look at a lot of disabled people out there they have been and the survey presented us with 60% of those people have faced um, ableism and also some form of disabled harassment. For me the work of the coalition for change we're working on trying to actually solve those issues and problems. So what we need is are people who aren't reporting seriously enough or are naive about what bullying actually 
looks like and when it's related to having a disability. Some people think it's okay just to put up with that, but it's also linked to not really knowing how serious things are and it needs a massive attitude change. If you don't take it seriously, it means disabled people will be being and heard and seen as that they can actually have the ability to speak up. So people of that identity need to speak up. And what, what sort of work are you doing to try and overcome the bullying issues? Is, is that all about education? I think that there's a lot of underrepresented groups. And so I think on screen, on TV, so disabled people aren't represented well. So for example, a lot of the time it follows the charity model or maybe the medical model where disabled people need to be cured, they need to be saved, they need to be helped, you know, they need to be kind on TV and kind to disabled TV. And that's a massive part of the problem. So it's related to the tone and the social attitudes that are established. Socially, really, it's not just generally, but it's on TV and also on the talent that's on TV. That is the issue. Yeah, no, I see. I see. And it's very, it's very complicated, isn't it? I was struck by one of the quotes in the in the report. Uh, it's at the beginning, it's, it's in the introduction, and it describes the 25 years since the passing of the Disability Dis- Discrimination Act as being a sort of groundhog day for the industry. I thought that was a really powerful quote. Would you, would you be able to elaborate on the quote? The Disability Discrimination Act has actually become the Equality, Equality Act 2010. And in theory, that should really protect people from um, protect people who are from underrepresented groups. So it means it protects in a sense. The Act is a law that protects individuals' rights. However, whether it works or not, there's still a massive question mark hanging over that because we don't see that happening. And also, if you think about whether employers are actually aware of the Equality Act 2010 and are they aware of their legal obligations to that? So there's a massive moment now that happened that should protect us and it doesn't. And again, that's what I mean by Groundhog Day. So the conversations that we keep happening are linked to disability rights. So every five to 10 years, we seem to be having the same conversation that keeps happening again about what are the ideas where we can solve the problem? But at the end of the day, there never seems to be a solution. And change needs to happen now. And that's what we're talking about. And it's focused on the action. Yeah, no, I understand that. And that's, that, that's, a, that's a really strong explanation. There, there were some, some positive signs in the in the report um you, there's a small section entitled getting it right so who who is getting it right and and what's an example of some good behavior in the tv industry around this i think now that disabled people in the industry are being a bit more open and a bit more comfortable discussing the access needs or reasonable adjustments and when it actually comes to having that experience and years and years of what people need when they're in the industry therefore feeling comfortable and they're able to argue back and say actually we know who we are I know what my access requirements are but that actually comes from in a strength that an individual has and that does take time to arrive at but we do know that it's happening there so I'm hoping that what we can do is look more to senior individuals with the industry within the industry as role models and that can reflect that but I think that actually there is a shift happening it's taking time and it will take time but it is shifting and, and what next the report has come out and I know that the creative diversity network has has done a similar 
report with with similar similar big survey and and qualitative response and and all of that so what are the next steps now these these reports are out there and and uh, and c- can we can we move past that groundhog day feeling that, that the report mentions we always recommend creating diverse network and they cdn have really we constantly quote them so they've done a lot of work so they've used our report so we use we constantly look to create a diversity network and we quote their reports all the time and reference back to them because they've done amazing work so what we do is use our report as a part of informing the coalition for change and also back in july in the meeting that we had and as a part of that we actually made three key recommendations to the broadcasters showing that we have um, not really shouldn't really be sitting there and sitting on our laurels we have a lot of work coming up that we need to do so four of us within ddp tv are volunteers and we know that we want to change things that things aren't working but what they need to do people individuals need to listen to people from the grassroots who've had their experience and that's what we're doing so we keep pushing we're not done just quite amazing amazing well i'm sure we'll be hearing much more from you and and before uh before I finish, we always like to ask our, our guests what they've been watching on TV. But I thought you might be able to give our listeners one or two examples of some really great content that's been created by or is featuring disabled people that, that's out there at the moment. Well, at the moment, there's a massive two factual dramas at the moment, currently on a BBC. So Crow Director is Bryony, who she's involved. She's producing it. And it's also called Independence Day. And it's based on Disability Discrimination Act. And that is phenomenal. And there's so many disabled people involved in that. Um, And I've seen um, photos of my friends and colleagues. So I think it's going to be really exciting. And also we have people working on EastEnders. We've got people working on the Grand Designs, Garden Made Perfect. Love Island, Naked Attraction, we're everywhere. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching Independence Day. Uh, I remember writing about it a little while ago and it, um, it, sounds, like a, it sounds like a really great show. Look, uh, Caroline, thank you so much for, for coming onto the podcast and explaining a little bit more about this report. Um, and that should be available soon for everybody who is, who is keen to read it and attempt to, to work harder to make these changes. So, so thank you so much. Thank you. One TV show from a disabled creative to have made waves over the past couple of years is BBC Three comedy Jerk, about a man with cerebral palsy who tries to use his condition to his advantage. Creator and star Tim Renko, who was born in New Mexico, spoke to Hannah Bowler earlier this month about the second series of Rough Cut TV's hit and opportunities for disabled talent across the pond. Series two definitely, um, I think and I hope, pushes the envelope a little further. Series one, we were just kind of seeing if we could get away with it. And now that we know we can, series two, we, I think we um, notched it up. At least one gear, but hopefully a couple gears. So a little bit darker, a little bit 
more black comedy to expect. I've had things, sir. Has there been any pressure on series two? Because I always do feel quite stressed for creators that have to kind of replicate the success. How have you managed that? Uh, so I, I think there would have been if COVID hadn't happened. I think it would have felt more pressure, but since, because the first lockdown happened like two weeks before we were supposed to shoot. So I think, at least for me, I've, I've been so concentrated on COVID and when it's actually gonna be able to shoot that I haven't really thought about the pressure of second season. Just all consumed with just getting the shoot happening, just took over all other feelings. Yeah, yeah. Did you have to write it in lockdown or did you, had it been written before COVID? So that that was the frustrating thing because we wrote most of it before. Like if we were writing it in lockdown, at least there would have been something to do. <laughs> have you been writing at the moment? Like how how's how have you been managing lockdowns and writing new okay. projects or working on new projects? So yeah, I've been um I've been working on a comic book with um actually with the guy. They did all the illustrations for Jerk Season 1. So That's really fun. A comic book. I've been doing, yeah. Has it been like, have you been able to get creative juices flowing a little bit better, just kind of like stuck with nothing to do? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And it, it's more it was it was kind of nice just having the time to do it. Mm. It's been an idea that's been circulating in my head. I never, I never had time. And then suddenly I had all the time. As a kind of writer creator, I always am quite interested in the actual like process. Like, I don't know if you could like walk me through how you get up and start your day and get into it. And what, what kind of processes do you use? <sighs> what I usually do is I get up and about eight. Because that's when my wife gets up for work. And then I convince myself that I'm too tired to write. So I need to watch an episode of The Hell's Kitchen. And then I watch about five episodes of Hell's Kitchen and go out to lunch. And then I start writing at maybe 5 p.m. I'm all I'm kind of the same like everything always gets going in the evening you just push yeah. it back push it back push it back until you're forced to do it yeah how much inspiration do you take from Hal's Kitchen though because surely that's quite a uh, he's got some lines not enough uh, I, I think uh, um you can always do more with Hal's Kitchen um he's one of the great comedic talents of of so non-comedy so back to jerk so it's a bbc3 series what's it been like to work with the bbc on the project like how much freedom do you have how, how fun is it to work with them are you restricted in any way it's been good um because they'll pay me no it's, it's been good sincerely it's been good i um i don't think there's been any situations really where I feel constrained by them, which is 
Like, it's great, but it's also kind of disappointing because you, you do want to be able to be like, they're ruining my dream, but they're not. They've, they've been great. Um, yeah, they've been super supportive. It's probably nice to be BBC Three just because you can get away with a little more. Mm. No, it's it's been gonna, it's been a dream. Are there any other kind of broadcasters or streamers, or is, is there anywhere else that you see your comedy fitting? Because you were saying BBC Three can play with go a bit darker. Is there any other? like channels that you kind of see yourself as a good fit so uh my my kind of my goal is to, i'm not even sure you have it here but there's a station on in america called adult swim oh yeah love adult like, swim yeah where like rick and morty comes from but like aqua teen hunger person like i i'm a I'm a huge cartoon guy. Like that's what that's kind of the dream is to write cartoons because, like, like I studied illustration before comedy. So I I think they have. I mean, they they what I grew up watching. They kind of how I learned comedy, like. They're the biggest influences on my comedy just as a channel. So that's that's the dream. So an adult swim animation would be your ultimate yeah. ultimate dream goal. All right, nice. Yeah. How how does that fit into the UK? Do you find like you have the opportunity to make because animation, adult animation is just not really a thing here. Do you think you could make it a thing in the okay. UK or it's not the space for it? Think so. You you guys had some amazing studios. Like um, uh, I mean, like don't gonna probably get too esoteric, but like like a lot of the indie stuff coming out of here is really really cool and interesting. So I I think even though it might not be. Shown here as much. The people producing cartoons over here are really some of the top guys. Moving away from animation, what do you kind of see as the comedy landscape in the UK? Is there lots of opportunities right now? And kind of who are your biggest kind of who who you're looking to that's really creating some great stuff at the moment? Uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Out of the stand up, man, like Mopin is excellent. Mm. Yeah, there's a ton of excellent stuff um, coming out. A lot of it on BBC Three, actually, which is kind of all I watch. So, like, I've really been enjoying Aquafina's new show, which I think is British. Even. Moving on. I was going to ask what you've kind of got on your plate at the, at the moment. What um, What's on your agenda? Are you in with the other broadcasters? Have you got anything in development? Or are you just focusing on the comic book for the moment? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm talking to other broadcasters and I got some stuff in development. Um, 
None of which I can talk about, I think, which is annoying. It's all right. As a journalist, I always get that, so you're fine. Thanks for breaks. It's, it's been great. It's very busy in the moment, which is good. Do you feel quite sought after? Is that not the thing? Yeah, I, I guess I do. I feel like, yeah, it's weird feelings. I, I never thought I'd be here, so I do feel... Sad after. Actually, sad over after all that's just my pure narcissism talking. I don't know, but it it has been very gratifying uh, to be able to talk to so many people that I'm like, oh, they know who I am. That's crazy. You have to lap it up when it's there, though, really. Yeah, yeah. You have to sit back and enjoy it and just be like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to be egotistical because I did this. I did this, yeah. So what's been your experience kind of in the UK as a disabled creative? Have you run into any challenges or has it been like, just just talk me through that as um, coming over from America. When did you move over here, actually? I moved over here almost exactly 10 years ago. I think I moved over here 11 years ago in 10 months. Cool. So, yeah, what, what's the experience been like for you? Uh, it's It's been good. Um, I mean, you have a very good country. All disabled people compared to America. Um, uh, like these are the access and being able to get places has been good, um, which really helps, like amazingly helps when you're not stuck in one place. Um, I think the disabled artistic community is relatively, I think, very strong. Somebody might come across and be like, no, actually, we're bad and we need more, which might be, but compared to America, it's just, it's just so much easier to get your stuff out there and seen. I've found so you, you think the opportunities are pretty strong at the moment? Yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah. Um, I think so, um, at least compared to America. Do you think there's anything that the UK production could be doing better? Like, is there any areas that's worth just putting in a bit more time? I mean, I, I, of course, it, it can always be better. Uh, I I mean, personally, I like, um, I would like to see more disabled people. I mean, really, probably all minorities, but I can only talk to disabled people. There's been a really nice push to get them in front of camera, which is, it's great. Of course, I'm not trying to take away anything for that, but I, I would like more behind the scenes stuff from minorities because I I was the only thing that's how 
That's where the actual storytelling gets made in a way. Where you, yeah, yeah. So I guess just more behind the scenes stuff, a bigger push for that. It's even better than when I started 10 years ago. Like, it is definitely moving in the right direction. That's really positive to hear. Do, do you have any advice for kind of young young creators that want to get in? Because obviously you're a creator, like writer, a- actor, all of those things. Do you kind of have any advice to um, to young people that kind of want to be a creative? Uh, just kind of do it, I guess. Um, also, I would recommend if you're very young and you want to be an artist, uh, I would recommend, because I, I did art school and then creative writing, I would actually mend, recommend studying psychology rather than art, because um, art, you just need to do it to get better, but one of the most important things is to know like how people think, so... Yeah, I'd say if you want to be an artist, study people. I love that. That's so true. I've not even really thought of that. But it is just character building, right? So it's understanding human nature and the human mind. Yeah. I love that. I love that. While I have you, so each time we have a guest on, we do a kind of what you've been watching segment. So, Tim, what have you been watching lately? Hell's Kitchen. Uh-huh. Apart from Hell's Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen aside, and you can't have the spin-offs either. Okay. Um, I've been watching a lot of Archer Lovecraft Country, which is amazing. You took away all my cooking shows, which is really what I do. Um, yeah, so, but Archer, um, my wife and I, just started um, I Know Orthodox on Netflix, which is really interesting. It's incredible. I th- That was like one of my favorite things that came out last year. Blew yeah. my mind. No, it's, it's insane. What, like, what you did is just nuts. Um, so that's been great. Um, Paul's Drag Race. I like the transition of RuPaul's Drag Race to Unorthodox, yeah. back to back. Yeah, um, yeah. I watch a lot of um, you know, just all the cartoons, I guess. Well, listen. Thank you so much for your time. It was really lovely talking through, I and mean, I'm very excited for Jack to launch. When when series two due to hit? August first, I. Great. Well, all of our listeners, please go and watch because it's a brilliant show and Tim is excellent in it. So thank you so much for joining me. It's nice to have you. Good to have you. Thank you for listening to the Broadcast News Wrap. I'm Max Goldbart and you've been listening to DDP TV founder Caroline O'Neill and Tim Renko in conversation with Hannah Bowler. You can check out all 53 past episodes of the pod on Spotify and iTunes or on the website 
via www.broadcastnow.co.uk. We're taking a break for the summer, but we'll be back towards the end of August for an Edinburgh television festival special. Join us then.